Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning we started off with thanks, and, and, and you, you can't do this without a call of God. And, and I just want to honor Pastor Sam and Jamie this morning for leading you guys and being your pastors. Can we give them a massive round of applause? Come on. There's nothing easy about pastoring. And, uh, and also, I want you to stand because I, I want to allow you guys to clap for yourself because I understand this church has been going <clears throat> for some 87 years. And that's 87 years of tissues on the floor, people run into the altar, people getting saved, people wrecking seats, people taking car spots. Community has <laughs> happened in this place. You know, someone parked in this spot that you usually park in and you had to get over it and still come to church. You know, we've all been there, trust me, you know, and, and, and someone got in line in front of the Starbucks line and, and then you saw them at church. You're like, oh, I can't believe they're in my same church as me. Um, and for 87 years, you guys have been believing God. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. For 87 years... You've impacted this region, actually, in pastor's office at the back. He said there was someone gave him a gift of these 10 stones representing 10 buildings that you've had. So you've been in 10 places worshiping God. I mean, when you think of the extreme of that, you know, there's a lot of extremes right now in current culture. The biggest extreme is that on a summer's day, you would come into church and worship God. And you've been doing it for 87 years. And so I just think of the many miracles that people saw, the many miracles that people didn't see, but still community was being built here. And to that, we should thank yourselves and thank the Lord for what he's been doing. Praise God. Can you just give him a hand clap? Why don't you put your hand on the person next to you? I'm going to pray and um, over you guys, we start this morning service. I'm going to pray and figure out exactly what I'm going to say to you. So if I pray for long enough, maybe we just count down my time on it, eh? Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you for the privilege of being in this room. Thank you for the privilege of watching this room if you're online. I pray that the same presence that's in this room would be in your home, that the same transformative power that's transforming people today will transform you. I thank you for the, for the mystery of the Holy Spirit, but yet also the great comfort we get to be led by him. I thank you for the community that's been built in this church. I thank you for the hundreds of prayers that have been prayed and answered. And I thank you for the citywide impact that, that the gathering is having and will have to a totally greater dimension. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, I'm super excited to be here. First of all, it's only an hour and 15 minute drive to get down here. Something like that. Um, so it's, uh, sorry, up, up, up. How terrible am I? Anything that moves from Manhattan is, not, is, is up. Um, and we, you know, obviously, I, someone asked me where am I from this morning, originally from Australia. And uh, I, I miss Australia. We haven't been back in about six or seven years due to COVID, and we're going back in December. So I'm really excited about that. But uh, the Lord brought us over to, to initially study at Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry at Bethel Reading in California a few years into my study. I was hired as a pastor. Sarah and I were, were, were leaders there. And for eight years, we, we did community. In, in, in my opinion, one of the greatest places to do community. Yeah, it was a, it's a, an awesome experience. And then a year ago, we felt the need to, to plant a church in Manhattan. 
And therefore, Sarah and I and a, and a small team, my sister-in-law, Rebecca and Beth, and a small team of people came, and now we're building a church which launches in a few weeks' time. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, thank you. Um, I, these guys were with us on Thursday night, and we were worshiping in, in this uh, cathedral that we uh, have taken a lease on, and it's just awesome. Uh, you know those cathedrals that 700 seats but no air conditioning? Like, if you want to look anointed, just come to our church, please. I looked like I was pouring with the anointing oil on me. Uh, I'm bald anyway, so it's not that hard. Um, but, you know, I looked like I ran a marathon and it was just five minutes into worship. But um, it, we're seeing some special things happen. People are being transformed. And I'm just super thankful to play our part, uh, not only in the city, but in this entire region. And, uh, and you should be really proud of what you're doing here because... You guys are having a massive dent in the spiritual atmosphere of New York. Do you agree with me? Yeah. Do you agree with me? It's like, whew. So we moved from Australia. We did this school and uh, we're in New York now. And it's been just an absolutely incredible time of, uh, of transitioning into the next step or the next phase in what is going to be a, a wonderful journey. Uh, who would agree with me that life is journey? It's more journey than destination. Like, if I was to give a prophetic word for 2090, ooh, I sound so spiritual. I would say this, I prophesy in 2090 that you will be still in transition. <laughs> that you will still be on a journey because... As I've just lived almost 40 years, I mean, I'm still young, I mean, it's like only almost 40 years, I noticed that I have been through many journeys. I have had to learn, unfortunately, that gift called patience. Amen. <sighs> you know, if you ever want to manifest the Spirit of God, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's very attractive when someone's manifesting patience. I tell that to my two-year-old, but, but seriously... <laughs> And by the way, I'm, I'm married. We, we, Sarah and I have been together 20 years, 18 years. Uh, we're celebrating our anniversary next month. And we have a 10-year-old Justice, 8-year-old Honey, and Poppy, who was 2 years old. So I don't have bags under my eyes because of our church. Uh, it's mainly because of my 2-year-old. And then we, we took on the responsibility of a 2-year-old uh, English cream golden retriever who weighs 75 pounds right now. And uh, he's in our <laughs> apartment in Manhattan and uh, no one told Californians that you should live with a dog that size in Manhattan. No one said that to me. And uh, so we're learning what it means to walk down at 1 a.m. in the morning because he's barking and he needs to go potty. And um, how conveniently inconvenienced I am uh, to go down seven floors in the elevator and walk outside when I don't want to, hot or cold. Um, and so anyways, it's, it, you know, what we prayed for now is a blessing, but sometimes it feels like a challenge, that's for sure. So, and so anyways, we're doing this and I just, I really felt to share this morning from the book of Joshua. I think Joshua for me personally has been probably where I've landed my soul on for the last 12 months. Everything about Joshua, I have personally needed. So whether you get something out of this today or not, I know that I at least turned up for my own message to hear it because I feel like God has been speaking to me through the story of Joshua. And uh, by the way, if you want to go to Australia, um, don't jump on YouTube to look at the Australian animals. 
I was just talking to some people this morning and they were looking and they were saying, but, but what about the big uh, snakes and things? I'm like, oh, no, 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 don't go to YouTube. Just go to Australia and experience it for yourself. A friend of mine sent me a picture the other day of a playground here and in the tree next to the playground was a 20-foot python and the kids are still playing and no one is moving even though they see it. I'm like, I lived in California. You've got to understand this. If I hear a rattling, and not just tambourine rattling, I'm talking rattlesnake rattle, I will run as quickly as I can. I remember seeing an earthworm that looked at the size of a snake, at least what I thought, when we renovated our house. And I ran very quickly like a brave man into the house and said to Sarah, grab the shovel, please. And uh, <laughs> she's like two foot nothing. She's a little girl. Back to Joshua, okay? Let me set the scene. Joshua is in a transition. He's now the leader. If you read the story from Joshua 1, he's, he's now the new leader of Israel. He's taken over responsibility from the, his great mentor, Moses. Everyone say Moses. Moses has got to be probably my favorite, one of my favorite leaders in the Bible. You know, it took him 80 years to come to the knowledge of his leadership, which is pretty good. If you're in a midlife crisis, don't worry about it. 80 years, you'll be, you'll be laughing. You'll come into your own. But I'm, I'm saying he was in a season where some say, some scholars say he didn't have to take that long. But you know, I love, what I love about God is that he works with us in process. Like he, he, he never is, is scared with process. You know, I was remembering as a young youth pastor that when someone would come and uh, share their life story to me, I was often like, oh, the process, how do I fix you? And not for their sake, but that I would feel comforted by leading them. And I started to realize as time has gone on that actually God will speak to you in a progression of process so that when he, you get the aha moment with the Lord, you'll actually finally get it. And I've learned so many lessons over the years where I feel like God is taking me on this prolonged journey of process and then all of a sudden it lands. And then my wife said to me, that's what I was telling you three years ago. And I was like, I know, but I just needed brothers or sisters, someone to prophesy over me. You know, who's been in that situation? Who's married and has ever had that? You know, you get home, you're like, I can't believe what they just told me. Like, I told you that last night at dinner. So Joshua has taken over leaders who is young. He's been standing on the side of the mountain when Moses would go and speak to God. And and in Exodus, it it, it reflects on Moses' relationship with God by putting it this way, that Moses spoke to God as a friend speaks to a friend. This is a very intimate connection with God that that Moses had on behalf of the people of of Israel. So he's seeing this great leader, 10 plagues happen. You know the story, they crossed the Red Sea. Um, Could you imagine being the next person to take on the leadership after Moses? I think it would have been a daunting thing. In honesty, it's like my own pastor, Bill Johnson, would be like if, if Pastor Bill said, okay, Joel, it's your turn. And I'm like, huh? I mean, this great preacher, this great leader is now not able to go into the promised land and it's Joshua's time. Uh, Deuteronomy 34 verse 9 says this, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded. It was necessary that this great leader would lay hands on Joshua so that the people would know that God was with him. I want everyone to say today, God is with me. If you want a sermon title today, it would simply, God is with me. Say it again. God is with me. 
Uh, I want to just say one more time like you're at a Yankees game. Or, I'm sorry, which team? Med- the Mets team. The Yankees, all right. All right, the Giants. Let's go midway. God is with me. It's important to understand that because um, the understanding of where God sits with you will help you in all sorts of things, but particularly in your connection and intimacy with God. If I pray and I think God is somewhere in the galaxy, I will sound like I'm begging God. Right? I could be like, God, please help me. I'm in the field. I've done that many times, trust me. And the Lord's like, I'm with you. In fact, Moses, they had a cloud following him. You know, Joshua had the Ark of the Covenant, which is amazing. But they would have been grasping the brilliance of where we sit with God right now, that the fact that God lives inside of you. Galatians 2.20. He lives inside you. So essentially, when we go to a prayer meeting, we should all be, Holy Spirit, thank you, God, that you hear me, that you're not distant from me. Isaiah puts it this way, the prophet, he said, Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2, His ear is not deaf that he cannot hear you. His arm is not too short that he cannot save you. Why is that? He's living inside you. So, so this, this whole idea of going through a storm without God is impossible because he lives inside you. So no matter the challenge or the situation, the success or the dilemma that you're currently in, guess what? God is with you. Say it again. God is with me. So Joshua takes the reins of leadership and we'll go to verse 3 of chapter 1. And it says this, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. In chapter 1, there's two promises, really, that you can see that marks Joshua. One is that everywhere he lays the sole of his feet, he's going to conquer. Pretty amazing word, considering his job is to get to the people, primarily into the promised land. So that's a very comforting word as a leader that, that God is giving him. And then the second one is, Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will, ne- leave, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Think about what God's saying here. The way I was with Moses, I'll be the same. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Meaning, even if you are in a crazy process of figuring out God, he's not going to leave you. Or forsake you. He's not ashamed of you. Who could use that today where you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just going through a season, I feel absent of God. The Bible says, it says it in Hebrews again, as well in Deuteronomy and in Joshua 1.5, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This is a very comforting thought on your journey to know that God will never be absent of you. Oh, brother, I don't know. I just don't feel God this morning. And Pastor Sam spoke last Sunday, I just didn't feel the Lord. The Lord was with Sam. The Lord was in this place. And the Lord was in the car with you in your crisis. Because God was with you. Oh, brother, I just didn't feel the anointing on the worship this morning. Well, brother, you better. Because God is with you. God is not going to forsake you. God is not going to leave you. Well, brother, I didn't get the breakthrough that I prayed for. And I'm still in delay or wait mode. God is with you. God will never forsake you. And this is the promise that Joshua is receiving as he takes on this form of leadership. The other one is four times he gets encouragement in verse 6, 7, 
9 and 18, where it says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then it gets to the verse 19 part. It says, be very strong and courageous. So he takes on the leadership. He gets the word from the Lord that where he goes, he's going to be able to conquer. He gets the other encouragement that he'll be like the relationship with Moses was with God. And now God is giving him an instruction to say, through all of this, in this journey, I'm going to ask you, Joshua, to be strong and courageous. Who, who, could, need, who could use with a bit of strong, strength and courage this morning? Yeah, me too. We're all, we're all believing through it. And so Joshua finds himself in a place where he's stocked with words, stocked with reality. And then they go to their first crossing, which is the crossing of Jordan River. But I love this about God and Joshua, that God was constantly trying to remind him that God was with him. You know, Joshua, in the, if you read and study Leviticus and all the way through to Deuteronomy, oftentimes when the Israel were fighting the battles, Aaron and Hur would hold up Moses' arms. And it says in the Bible, it says that a lot of the wars were won at the hand and or the sword of Joshua. And now Joshua is being asked to lead in a different way in this season. In one season, he's got the pocket knife out. In the next season, he's going to rely on the Ark of the Covenant being predominantly the power source of their winning the battles. And so he's not only going through a season change, he's going through a thinking change. The children of Israel were getting food every single day under the leadership of Moses. Their clothes were growing. Everything was just fed for them. And this was in the wilderness season. But now the promised land is totally different. Now the promised land, if you read right at the end of, of Joshua, in fact, if you read Joshua 12, it'll define the 31 kingdoms that Joshua had to defeat to take the land. This is a comforting thought for you. That if you're going through any challenge or delay or journey, you are not absent of promise, you're probably right in it. Some of the things I've prayed for um, have now caused me to have challenge. God, use me, Father. Use me, Holy Spirit. I remember as a youth pastor, like, God, use me for cities and nations. Now I'm in one, and we're building a church. I'm like, God, how do we raise money? God, how do we take care of people? God, how do we sign building leases? And all the challenges that I have in front of me are direct answers to the prayers I prayed 15 years ago. This is awesome. Could you imagine coming to church with that reality? Brother, how was your week this week? Wow, my mechanic store was a mess. We had so many challenges. Praise God, you're blessed. What do you mean, praise God, I'm blessed? You had challenge because of success. You had challenge because of what you prayed for came true. You had challenge because you're married to that person. I I didn't mean that, sorry. But now you're in it and you're working through what it looks like to obtain what God has promised you. I think... I'm so glad that God didn't feed the Israelites in the promised land like he did in the wilderness. Because we've never understood the picture of taking a hold of what God has promised us in the first place. Is this making sense? So uh, I, I was going through a season where we had sold everything to move to Redding, California uh, to, to attend the school. And I said before, I, after a few years, 
I got hired as a pastor there, but there was a two-year period there where we had to believe the Lord. We couldn't work. We're on a study visa. We had to believe the God, the Lord, and ask for support. Our house didn't sell. You know, our house was supposed to fund our three-year experience, but it wasn't selling. And uh, for some reason, we just decided in faith. We stepped out on the promises of God, and we came to Los Angeles to drive up to Reading with five suitcases and enough money for three months. With two kids. Yeah, I mean, I was like speaking in tongues all the way up to Reading. I was like, <laughs> I lost English prayer. Like, what does what help? How many times can I say help? So I just had to start praying in tongues. Um, and so we got up there, but we were just full of faith. To be honest with you, the hardship didn't matter to us because we knew we were in the place where God wanted us to be. And we prayed to be there. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to diffuse this, this Kairos moment by my attitude. And I also didn't want to reduce God to results. I got a blessing. God is with you, sister. I didn't get a blessing. God is with you, sister. <laughs> so many times in my just learning about God, you know, I feel more anointed when I got a blessing or someone wrote me a check or someone blessed me with a missions trip or whatever it was. And then when none of that is happening, I'm in the pits going, where are you, God? But this, this journey season, God is constantly reminding you, actually, I never left you nor forsaken you. I've always been with you. Uh, Joseph will put it this way in Genesis 39. It says that he was a successful man. This is written when he was in the prison because the Lord was with him. Success wasn't the fulfillment of even Joseph's dreams. It was that in the dungeon, God was with him. And so this morning in your journey, God is with you. So we get an opportunity to go to Los Angeles. And we went, you know, like when you're praying about needs and then God gives you all your wants. Who's ever been in that situation? I, I, I've seen it. This, this is the time where I was. I was like, I was praying for needs, but somehow God was continually giving me our wants. It's so strange because I think if he only gave us my needs and didn't do wants, I would only know him for emergency stuff, not for connection, pleasure stuff with God. And so we're believing just to live, to stay. It's almost at the end of the three months and someone calls and says, hey, I want to bless you with a holiday to Disneyland. Like I'm believing for us to stay and now we're going to the happiest place in the world. And I don't feel happy. This is annoying. <laughs> like we got your hotels, we got your car hire, we got spending loan, you're going to pay for all your tickets. In my mind, I'm from an investment banking background. I was like, just sell everything. <laughs> And give me the money. <laughs> that will help us. I don't need to go to Disneyland. But we did, and we had a great time. And then I was downstairs. Uh, Sarah said to me, what should we do? And I'll leave it on to you, Joel. Go and talk to our mentor. And I said, I called my mentor, Brian. I said, Brian, I said, can I talk to you? Can I ask you a question? And I said, you know, we're in a really difficult spot right now. I said, would you, would you be able to just uh, give me some advice? He said, go shoot, go ahead. I said, well, this is where we're at. I gave him the whole situation. He says, I'll answer you two ways. One way will be as if you're my own physical son, and I'll give you another way. So the first one, he gave me a response as his own physical son. And he said, I would tell you, this is on FaceTime, I would tell you to go home and take care of your house. 
And we had tenants there, but just go home and get a job and maybe do it in another season. My, my faith was like, Bloom. not because he was bad or there was a bad word. It was just like, I, I, I really felt like we were supposed to stay. And he said to me on the other side, but, but the other response I will do is that if you decide to stay, we will pray for you. You know, when someone says that and you have a need, you're like, thank you, brother. I appreciate this so much. <laughs> what do you mean you'll pray for me? <laughs> I just told you I'm in need. <laughs> you know. And he goes, we'll pray for you. And then it turns out for almost eight years, they sent their ministry sent us a check every single month to support us after that phone call. Now, it wasn't to, to cover everything, but it was enough to give us the faith to stay. And I remember when he would just he would jump on FaceTime and on that call he would he would look at me and say you're the next generational leader and he was giving these big words and I was like I needed to be reminded of God's long term future for me not because not my not let my short term reality try to define my faith with God and so we're in a journey and God was blessing us and God was giving us desires and He was teaching us that He was not built on results. I fasted 14 days and I should expect a miracle. I'm sure the miracles come that way. But what if I ate steak for 16 days and had cheesecake every other night? Will God still answer my prayer? Yes. Because if that's the case, God would have told us that he is performance God, not loving God. But God is loving God and therefore my performance, even though I try to live as steward as I can, is not going to define or even deter the love that he has toward me. So let's read Joshua 3, 7 to 17, and then I'll, I'll um, figure out some stuff after that and we'll finish. I'm going to read 10, 10 verses here, and it's quite a long one. But I want to see right now, they're about to jump into the river, and the Jordan River is right in front of them. And, you know, Joshua is the new leader. They recognize that the Red Sea opened up. So I'm sure in their history, they've seen so many miracles. They're probably like, I wonder what's going to happen next. There's probably still a lot of trust being built because, you know, this is Joshua's first victory, really. First time seeing the hand of God come in a totally signs and wonders way. And in verse 7 it says, And the Lord said to Joshua this day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan... You shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. I love leadership in the Bible that reiterates legitimately what God said. I think healthy leadership is about relaying what they heard God say. Not, and, and trust me, I've done it in the past where I felt emotionally this way, but it wasn't the word of the Lord. And though God honored something... It just wasn't the word of the Lord. And I'm learning in this season of leading myself through journey and our church and all these things is I have to hear from God. I can't have any impurity mixing with the word of God. I, I, I can't because I, my emotions are like all over the place. But my, my emotions are surrendered to the word of God. Now I'm hearing from heaven. And so this is what Joshua is doing. He's trying to remind the people, hey, I didn't say this, by the way. This is God speaking. I think he's trying to build faith, in my opinion. And verse 10 says, 
By this you shall know the living God is among you, that he will be without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hedites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Jezreelites, the Metzizites, the Giantsites, all the different Zites. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 12, Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. I want, to, I want you to say, one man from every tribe. We may come back to that topic. but that, Now verse 12, Therefore, and verse 13, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of your feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from the upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Think about this. This is an extraordinary event happening here. Um, the water is there moving, and now it's going to stand up on both sides in a heap. I, 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 don't, I can't even imagine how high that was. Like maybe a thousand, I'm just saying a thousand feet, I'm just, I'm just giving my imagination, but that, could you imagine what that was looking like? You know, we read these stories like, oh, they just had certain trust in a leader. I don't know. If I saw a thousand foot, I mean, I, I've been out to Montauk, if I see ten feet, I get scared. A thousand feet in the air? I mean, it doesn't say a thousand, but I'm saying it. you just got to put the math together. It would have been a great high rise on each side of water. Crazy thought. And it said, so it was when the people crossed over from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. And those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water uh, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So again, it was a season of overflow. The water was everywhere. And now it's not just a, a normal season of water. It's the fullest part of the year water that is being sucked up into the air on each side so that they could walk across. And it says, The waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over the, the opposite side to Jericho. Verse 17 is probably the highlight scripture of my whole uh, thing that I wanted to speak about today. It says this, Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant, everyone say Ark of the Covenant. Everyone say this, Presence of God. Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel crossed over the dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Here's the picture. Ark of the Covenant. Water on that side. Water on that side. Israel. Walking past it in the midst of their challenge, in the midst of this miracle or this season or journey, what was standing right there was the presence of God. Think about the modern day reality of that now that Christ lives in you. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of your salvation uh, for your family members that are, haven't come to church yet, in the midst of your business going underground or whatever it is that's happening in your world, right in the midst of it is presence of God. Right in the midst of it is the same power that could separate seas. Right in the midst of it is the Ark of the Covenant that no man should dare touch unless you're part of the Levitical priesthood. This same power, this same ability to do the wondrous things that they had seen is now living and consuming us inside of us. This is huge. I think this is huge because if you read James 5.16 where it says Elijah, he was an ordinary man with a nature like, just like us, but he earnestly sought God and prayed. And this is the guy who stopped the rain for three years. 
That power lives inside of you. It's such a comforting thought to go through change, to go through transition, to wait on something, to go through a journey, to pray and seek God for a breakthrough, knowing that God is not just at the destination, He's right inside of me. So when I feel low, when I feel high, when I feel successful, or when I feel ashamed, God said He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I've come today as your bald cousin from Manhattan to tell you that God is totally in love with you and He will never leave you nor forsake you on whatever path or journey that you're currently facing in this room today. <laughs> I feel the Holy Spirit here. Who, who feels God? Like who, who knows? It's just, it's, it, really, it really doesn't take much. You know, I'm, I'm like, it really doesn't take much to feel Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I have never physically felt um, my body manifest like some of my friends do. But my mind manifests in this knowing that God, what is in the Bible is said to be true, is true. And so I am completely surrendering my mind so that my, my soul doesn't miss out on the, the, the spiritual reality that God is totally infused in my world. You know, people people come to church like oh, I didn't see, I didn't experience God like that person. I know because you're not that person. <laughs> well, I didn't roll over the floor. Rolling over the floor or jumping up and down does not define how spiritual you are. What defines how spiritual you are is the one who can part the seas lives inside of you. <laughs> so therefore, I walk. To the gathering every Sunday with great confidence. I walk in Monday to my office with great confidence knowing that the same power that's in this meeting is in me. And therefore, God will never be absent of me. I'm walking into my daily walk with people carrying this extraordinary presence of God. And no wonder why things are happening. This is amazing. I'm starting to see this in New York. Um, I'm starting to see either people be really friendly to me or people be very angry. And I'm like, the presence of God is here. I was in a restaurant with a, with a friend of mine. We're at the, um, he, this businessman took me to the Plaza Hotel, Sarah and I, and uh, him and his friend. And we're there, we're eating. We're, and all of a sudden, we started talking about God. You know what happens when you start talking about God? Especially us Christians, we get carried away. We start getting excited. We're like... We're just using all the language. We're talking about God. We can start feeling the presence. And all of a sudden, this man in a really nice suit carrying a Bible walked into the lobby of the hotel. We could see him coming, walked straight to the bar and looked at us and just stared at us and then started trying to cuss us out. I'm like, what pastor is he? He's carrying a Bible. This is crazy. He cursed us and then he left. You know what happened? Sarah and I and our friends were like, praise God. We are in the right space because what we prayed for, challenge is now happening. <laughs> it, it, it manifests, when you're on the move, God can manifest, people, the people will manifest in certain ways. People will be friendly. I've, I've seen people be like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I just wanted to talk to you. They're feeling the presence of God. 
I've seen people walk really angry next to me or bump me. They're feeling the presence of God. If I let Joel's natural response take over, I would have missed the opportunity to recognize the Spirit of God moving around me. Instead of going for defense, I was like, whoa, what's happening in the spirit realm? What did you just come out of? I just came out of a prayer meeting with some believers and I would be shocked not to see people respond in some sort of way. This journey, this discovery of God with us, God in us, you know, we sang it in the 80s, the, the, the Emmanuel, God with us. Who remembers that great song? It's living inside of you. It's not dead. It's a reality that's, that's more true than me being on this stage. It's more true than subject matter. God in you, the hope and glory. The same power that can speak to Moses in the cloud, the same person that could be in the box of the Ark of the Covenant is the same person that's living inside of you, trusting you. Joel, I don't know if the the Holy Spirit will trust you. Are you saved? Yes, he lives inside you. He might not like the lounge room, but he lives inside you. Oh, Joel, I just don't know if God can trust me. He trusts you, by the way. He lives inside you. I mean, I hardly, I, like, I would hardly stay with anyone if I didn't trust them. But somehow God has a better thought plan than I do over humanity. And when you say yes to Jesus, he comes in and he's totally comfortable watching Netflix and saying, I'll be part of your world. Right in the middle of your whatever is God. Right in the middle of your need is the potential for God to do something you've never seen before. Right in the midst of this church, God is abiding here. He's here. He's here for you. He's, he's so excited for the future of this church. He's so excited for your future. He's so excited of your gift mix, of your ministry gift, of your spiritual gift. You know, whatever it be, maybe it be prophecy or healing or administration or leadership or whatever it is, the, the, the tongues or the, the interpretation of tongues, you list the whole spiritual gifts in the Corinthians. Whatever it is, God is for you. And he's going to speak to you. Amen. I mean, Romans 14, you can't do kingdom without Holy Spirit. Well, brother, I think you can have a good strategy plan for the kingdom. Yes, you can have a good strategy plan, but the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness peace and joy in who? In the Holy Ghost. Where does he live? Inside of me. Therefore, kingdom is a reality that will walk to work tomorrow if you recognize it.